It's Friday, December 27th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Aliens have been in the news a lot recently. An internet campaign to storm Area 51 got a lot of attention earlier this year, and the Navy just confirmed the authenticity of declassified videos that show unidentified aerial phenomena. Lydia Saad, researcher at Gallup, joins us to discuss their latest survey on Americans' thought on UFOs. Most Americans are skeptical, but they say that the government knows more than they're letting on. Next, it is one of the most compelling UFO cases in modern history, the Nimitz UFO encounters. And while we already know about how the Nimitz encountered a tic-tac-shaped aerial vehicle, we're hearing from other witnesses to the event. These witness accounts say that shortly after the encounter, there was a rush to turn over all the data concerning the UFO sighting, and that two men quickly departed with all the relevant data to the event. Tim McMillan, contributor to Popular Mechanics, joins us for what he learned from the other Nimitz witnesses. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Two-thirds say the government is hiding something. And we also ask a question, you know, do you think when people see UFOs, they're seeing something real? And a majority say yes to that. But then when we say, do you think that UFOs are actually alien spacecraft visiting Earth from other planets or that all UFO sightings can be explained by something else, such as human activity or natural phenomenon? And there we get only a third, 33 percent saying that some UFOs are actually alien spacecraft. Most of the rest say it's something else. Joining us now is Lydia Saad researcher for Gallup. Thanks for joining us, Lydia. Thank you for having me. We're going to be talking about aliens. Aliens have been in the news a lot recently, most notably this whole internet hoax thing that started on Facebook called Storm Area 51. Let's see them aliens. Millions of people have signed on to this Facebook group to storm Area 51, to show up at Area 51 and you know, in hopes to see aliens, see what the government has hidden there. It's all very fun, but Actually, the two little desert towns that are located right near Area 51 have this mixed emotions of excitement and fear because they don't know how many people are going to turn out. But there at Gallup, you guys conducted a survey about people's attitudes on UFOs, what they believe about UFOs. Lydia, tell us a little bit about that. So Gallup has asked about UFOs for a few decades now on and off. And, you know, it's a topic that some people might think is beneath Gallup, you know, but we actually think it's a very serious issue of what America it taps into what Americans think is going on in the in the universe and uh, all sorts 100%. of important things. So we ask people questions about whether they have seen UFOs, whether they believe they're real, whether they think the government is hiding anything, all sorts of things that are related to this Area 51 phenomenon. And two-thirds in the United States say that the government knows more than they're saying about UFOs. And that leads us kind of right into what this whole, um, you know, Storm Area 51 thing was about. Uh, Obviously, it was a hoax started by a guy, but it captured the imaginations of so many people that, you know, really do believe that the government knows more than they're letting on. Sure. So it definitely is tapping into that skepticism about government. Um, And for the record, I mean, we find uh, two thirds today saying that the government is hiding something. We asked in 1996 about the same percentage said that then. So this is a perennial belief. It's not like suddenly Americans are concerned. But there's this there's a baseline skepticism toward the government that makes this kind of a um, a program uh, appealing to a certain segment of the public. Now, that's uh, dealing with how many people think the government uh, is letting on to how many. 
what about individuals, people? How do they feel about UFOs? Well, that's where it gets interesting. So, yes, two-thirds say the government is hiding something. And we also ask a question, you know, do you think when people see UFOs, they're seeing something real? And a majority say yes to that. But then when we say, do you think that UFOs are actually alien spacecraft visiting Earth from other planets or that all UFO sightings can be explained by something else, such as human activity or natural phenomenon? And there we get only a third, 33 percent saying that some UFOs are actually alien spacecraft. Most of the rest say it's something else, something that can be explained by human activity. And then you get a residual, you know, a little bit are unsure. So far fewer people out there actually believe in UFOs and think the government is hiding something. Piggybacking off of that, there was this recent report about these three allegedly declassified videos showing U.S. Navy pilots trailing some unidentified flying objects. These videos are a little older, but there was a spokesman for the Deputy Chief of Naval Operations for Information Warfare who actually confirmed that these videos are authentic They were not supposed to be released. There was some flub in paperwork or whatnot, but it shows what they call unidentified aerial phenomenon. That's kind of their new term for UFOs. So there is some quote unquote evidence about this. So that's why I love these topics in these conversations, because they lend themselves to your imagination going wild. You guys at Gallup were learning exactly what part of the country also experiences or thinks they see these alien spacecraft more. It's happening more on the West Coast than it is on the East Coast or in the South. So we can break out our respondents by four regions of the country, east, midwest, south, and west. So the west is more than just the coast. It would include Arizona and Utah and some of these places where these military installations are. And there we find 41% in the west saying that some U.S. UFOs are alien spacecraft. That compares with only 27% in the midwest and about a third in the east and the south. So you have four in 10 people in the west holding that view, which is notable. And then they are also more likely in the west to say they have personally seen something they believe was a UFO, 20% versus closer to 12 to 15% everywhere else. So the West is definitely more of a hotbed for UFO <laughs> theories. Yeah. I, live on the, I live on the West side also. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> interesting. I'm going to have to start surveying all of my friends to see what they come up with. One of the other interesting uh, things that you guys found were Americans with no religious affiliation are more likely to put stock in UFOs, 40% saying they believe in some type of alien visitors. A little bit. So 40% with no religion, but it's still about a third of those who are either Protestant or Catholic or some other Christian religion, which some might say would be contradicting religious beliefs, but you've got a third of Christians saying they think some UFOs are alien spacecraft, but yes, it's higher among the non-religious at 40%. This is one of those conversations that is really never going to go away. People's imaginations are always going to take them away on this thing. Obviously, movies and TV help with all this. Lydia, give us the bottom line on what you guys learned in this latest survey. So clearly there is an underlying percentage of the public that believes that UFOs are real foreign visitors, the foreign in the uh, UFO version of the word. And that's okay. I mean, there's reason to believe it. I think these stories about the government videos are fascinating to read about. But you have just as many people who say, yeah, the government's hiding something, but these aren't really aliens. You know, the government's probably covering up military secrets or they aren't sure and they don't want to alarm the public. So there's just as many people who are skeptical of the government, but for other reasons. And then you have another third who are like, what's this all about? I don't believe in aliens. The government's not covering anything up. You're all crazy. So that's how we kind of break down camps of thirds on UFOs, if that makes sense. <laughs> Lydia Saad, researcher for Gallup. Thank you very much for joining us. 
Appreciate it. Anytime. Tic Tac, as it's been called, about 40 feet in length, no control surfaces. Him and the other pilots described this thing instantaneously taking off at a hypersonic speed, unlike anything they'd ever seen. Joining us now is Tim McMillan, retired police lieutenant, intelligence analyst, and contributor to Popular Mechanics. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Good to be here. We're going to be talking about the Nimitz UFO encounters. It's an event that the Navy recently confirmed that indeed involved the unidentified aerial phenomenon, which is kind of the new terminology they use for UFOs. You got together some of these other men who were witnesses to what happened there. We obviously have seen the video that the New York Times released showing this tic-tac-shaped aerial vehicle doing some crazy maneuvers. But there was a lot of other people present on the ship that might have seen some of this video, other things. Give us the, the super quick version of what happened with the Nimitz UFO encounter. In November 2004, the Strike Carrier Group 11, the Nimitz Carrier Group, was undergoing workups before pre-deployment. They also had a host of new technology on board they were working the kinks out with. Very shortly after going underway in the radar center, they started getting very peculiar radar returns, strange returns on their scopes. Some of these systems were brand new, like the Spy 1 Bravo radar system. And so initially they thought they were ghost or clutter meaning the system's malfunctioning. And I was able to speak to both the, the people who were observing those on the scopes and then the guy whose job, the one person on the USS Princeton whose job it was to make sure those things were working properly. So they took the systems down, put them back up, and these contacts were clearer and still there. They were better than they were before. And they were just peculiar. They were moving. They were going up and down from 80,000 feet to 60,000 feet to 30,000 feet very rapidly, according to the systems. And they were moving in groups of 10 at a time at roughly around 100 knots. So very slow, slower than a fixed wing aircraft should be cruising. After this went on for about a week, Kevin Day, who's the chief combat controller inside the USS Princeton, which is the missile cruiser ship. He told me he takes the planes to the fight. He controls the airspace around the group. It's his job. He was able to convince his commander that he felt like these objects needed to be investigated. They happened to have two F-18s going up that day for an exercise. And so he was able to take control, which means direct them in to try to locate one of these objects. And that brings us to mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. squadron commander, David Fravor, who went out there. Yes. And then mm -hmm. we have this summary of what he saw. What he mm -hmm. saw was this anomalous aerial vehicle, as they describe it. And it descended very rapidly from approximately 60,000 feet to about 50 feet in a matter of seconds. And he reported that it was an elongated egg or a tic-tac shape, solid white, smooth with no edges. And it was making all of these crazy twists and turns in the air, something that they hadn't encountered before. We have three other eyewitnesses because there were two planes in the air. So each one had a weapon system officer and a pilot on board. And so Commander Fravor is really the only one we've heard from. The other pilot has appeared with her identity concealed and everything. But what they saw was the, exactly what you described, the, the tic-tac, as it's been called, about 40 feet in length, no control surfaces. It actually began to mimic Commander Fravor's flight pattern. He was circling down to get closer to the object because it was hovering over the ocean surface. And as he's circling down, it's circling up, following him. 
And when he describes his cuts the pie, like he's trying to cut across the circle to get behind it, kind of like a dogfight at this point, him and the other pilots describe this thing instantaneously taking off at a hypersonic speed unlike anything they'd ever seen. It would be subsequently where we've got the video that I think has been released and maybe is describing some of the movements that you mentioned. That would come when Commander Fravor and his wingmen landed back on the Nimitz and had another flight going up. And fighter pilots, I give them credit, man. Nothing but respect for those guys because they want to go chase the drama. (laughs) Exactly. What happens Mm -hmm. after all of that and some of the other witnesses that you talked to? Because on the deck there, they were reviewing video. They were looking over stuff. And that's where some of the witnesses, other witnesses come in. They saw some of this video going down. And then the other shocking part of this was that uh, all the data and the tapes and various systems that recorded these events, there were reports that a couple of guys showed up on a helicopter to confiscate all of that. Tapes might have been recorded over. This is like the next part of the mystery is what happened to all that quote unquote evidence. That was the big part of the mystery that has never really been discussed until that article came out, other than a good friend of mine who I met through this process, who's turned into a great friend, Dave Beatty, who put a YouTube documentary out and was able to find a lot of these guys. But outside that, it had never been discussed. And I think, in my opinion, is probably the most significant part of this story is indeed what you just described. Each one of these individuals did not tell the same story Each had a piece of the story that came together that allowed me to track these people's movements and that two individuals who were not part of the group flew aboard a helicopter, landed on the Princeton, seized all the top secret data that would have covered all the radar, the communications, everything, flew to the USS Nimitz, seized all the data from the E-2 Hawkeye, which is the airborne defense planes, the planes with the big radar dish on top. And it's kind of in dispute, but possibly sees the original at FLIR videos of this. The video that has been released now almost two years ago is a one minute and 16 second clip. And frankly, it's like every other UFO video I've ever seen. It's blurry black and white. And you're like, <laughs> right. hey, there's something there. Yeah. Um, they describe something far more dramatic and describe seeing this craft making acute right angle turns, stopping and then instantly going. Jason Turner, who was a supply technician aboard the USS Princeton, who just happened to be delivered supplies to the intelligence center room because he held a top secret clearance. And a, a friend of his said, hey, man, check this out. When he retells that story of what he saw in that video, it was remarkable for me because 15 years later, he's bothered by what he saw. So whatever he saw definitely wasn't normal. None of them described seeing something normal. And so I think that's the biggest part of the story that has just not been pushed out there enough is there's certainly preponderance evidence based on these witness testimonies, based on me and my own investigation, which included going out and tracking down a purely brand new witness who had never spoken out about it, knew the event had hit the news, but wasn't aware that his fellow sailors had spoken out. I gave him no background whatsoever. And he wished to remain anonymous because he holds a position still no longer in the military, but one that is of public trust. And he told me the exact same thing in terms of these guys showing up and taking top secret stuff. There was one point of contention, though, because Commander David Fravor did at some point cast some doubt on some of the accounts by some of these other witnesses. Mm -hmm. You were talking about the video and how the video that was released was only about 
a minute and 16 seconds long, but some of these other witnesses were saying that that video might have been longer, eight to 10 minutes or something, where they could see a lot more stuff in detail. Commander mm-hmm. Fravor on a podcast, I think he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, had said something about, well, you know, this is all BS. There wasn't anything uh-huh. of that. Then there was no men in black suits that came and took up all of the evidence. And that was a big motivation for wanting to do this piece because I've been looking at the incident for a while, but I was frustrated because I said, nobody's mitigated this dispute. And I think it's a significant dispute. And so at the end of talking to everybody, which included some fighter pilots who were not in Commander Fravor's squadron, but they were F-18 pilots aboard the Nimitz during the incident who were able to break down in detail how these processes work with the tapes, who they're turned into, this kind of stuff. In my opinion, I walked away with a clearer picture to the fact the two different high probability events occur, which is another video was recorded that was longer. Whether Commander Fravor got a chance to see that or not, I don't believe he did at all. I don't believe Commander Fravor is lying at all. I believe his character and professionalism is beyond reproach. But I do believe that possibly what he was given back was the shortened version we see today. And so when he saw it, he only saw the shortened version. The other possibility exists is there are some other classified different systems, um, video link systems in which the USS Princeton did have the capabilities of actually seeing and possibly recording through a data link a much longer version of it. But I spoke to Vincent Aiello, who's a pilot uh, aboard the ship, a friend of Commander Fravers, a really great guy. But he agreed with me that under normal circumstances, the pilots have two hours of eight millimeter tape. It was 2004. They were still using the little tape. <laughs> right. It would be normal for them to start recording from the time they left the ship to when they came back for any flight. In this case, these pilots were actually specifically now going to hunt this thing down because Commander Fravor had returned and told them about it. I come from a police background. We didn't let our officers just get in the habit of turning their cameras on when the action started because they never cut on. Um, <laughs> they cut on beforehand. Yeah. And so he agreed. It was very probable that that existed. I truly don't believe Commander Fravor by any means is trying to diminish it. And I think ultimately in talking to everybody except for Commander Fravor, I have not been able to speak to him personally. He shies away from the attention. I get that. That there's a misunderstanding or maybe some things have been distorted as to what these other witnesses actually say and what maybe he thinks has said. And it also goes into the fact that In the military, jobs are very compartmentalized. So, you know, this is your job. This is what you do. If anybody, even commanders, squadron commanders, this type of stuff, they're damn good at what they do and they get those planes ready when they need them and they're there to do the fight and God bless them. But if there's stuff like data, it's just not pertinent to their job. You know, they're (laughs) not going to call down to the radar operators of the Princeton and say, hey, man, you know, some of our planes aren't working right. Right. Because somebody else is handling that. Yeah, well, they're not going to fix them. It's an interesting story. I mean, it's still one of the most compelling UFO cases in modern history, and there's so much mystery around it. But that's what makes this type of story so much fun to talk about. And we have that video and people are on both sides of it. You know, they'll say, no, that's not true. Or people are totally convinced once they see some of this stuff. So I suggest everybody go out and Check out Tim's article because there's a specific quotes from the guys that you spoke to, people that were witnesses to all this. And it's just an interesting look into the Nimitz UFO encounters. Tim McMillan, retired police lieutenant, intelligence analyst, and contributor to Popular Mechanics. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's it for today. 
Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.